month of the year, January, we spoke, the, the series for January was I'm All In. I'm All In. That was the theme of last month. And we focused on four specific areas we were going to be all in, which were four weeks. First week, we, we, the uh, first week sermon was I'm invited. Invited. Jesus invites us. Second week, we talked about I'm included. And I mentioned and I made the distinction between being invited and being included. I can invite you to my house and not make you feel included into the family. So it's not just enough to be invited, but we have to have a sense of inclusion. And then we made the comparison between Jesus included Judas, Jesus included Peter, Jesus included John the beloved. He made room in the invitation for everybody, perfect, broken, hurting, everybody was included. So we talked about being invited. We talked about being included. Third week, we talked about being involved. I'm involved. Because God invites us and includes us into his kingdom so that we may get involved and be part of what God wants to do in us for his glory. It's not enough to be included. It's not enough to come to church. God calls us to be involved, to put our hands. Remember the, the, the verse I, I spoke about, putting our hands on the plow. He said, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. It's, it's, it's getting involved in the church. And then the last week we talked about I'm all in. Last Sunday, I'm going 100%. I'm going gung-ho. I'm going to give it all. I'm going to surrender my will to do his will. Now, what's the effects of being invited, being included, being involved, and being all in? It's that we get to grow. And so for the next five weeks of this month, we're going to speak on growing. We're going to talk about the importance of growth. And we're going to grow in four areas. And the word grow is actually an acronym of the four areas we need to grow. One, we need to grow in God. We need to grow in relationships. We need to grow in ownership. And we need to grow in worship. So for the next five weeks, today's sermon is just an intro to these four areas that I believe God wants us to grow as a church. He wants us to grow in our walk with God. He doesn't just want us to know about God. He wants us to grow in you, in him, rather. Paul wrote one-third of the gospel, one-third of the New Testament, rather. And at the end of his journey, Paul wrote one-third of the New Testament. He had one of the greatest revelatory minds of Scripture. And at the end of his journey, he said, oh, that I may know you. Because the deeper you go in God, the more you will realize how much deeper God has to take you. And so Christianity, this thing being a Christian, it's all about knowing God. Jesus said this, and this is the everlasting life. Jesus is saying that they may know you. So we want to grow in God, but we also want to grow in relationships. We want to grow in 
ownership and we want to grow in worship. Now, when we talk about growing for this entire month, the image you saw is an image of a flower, of a seed. The involvement of a seed turning into a flower, a seed turning into a tree, a seed evolving into a forest. But trees don't grow overnight. Forests don't happen overnight. So we're going to talk a little bit about spiritual maturity and being able to embrace the processes of God as he evolves us from seed form to forest form. I'm Dominican. Oh, pero que la vaina deja, pero deja eso, muchacho. Oh, pero que lo que. From my father's side, I'm Dominican. From my mother's side, I'm Cuban. And I don't know how to, I don't have a Cuban accent, so all I can say is black beans. <laughs> the, the Dominican side of me loves platanos. Right? Los platanos. Du mangu. Ooh, come on, somebody with them little red onions. Ooh. Totones, you know what totones? Listen, all my brothers and sisters from the house, if you don't know what a tostón is, you better Google that sucker. That's the best thing. Totones with, with salt, and some of y'all put that mayo ketchup joint on that. Totones. When, 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 when you really know about tostones, you don't mention the S in tostones. It's tostones. It's tostones. It's good. Tostones. Now, now, here's the difference. A is a green plantain. But then there's another one called platanos maduros. That's some, the sweet ones, right? Now, the reality is that the platano, the green plantain, and the platano, the, 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 the maduro one, how do you say that in English? The maduro one. Shut up. Right? You want to learn Spanish up in this church. Right? They're the same plantain. If I take a green plantain and I leave it on the counter, for weeks, it will turn into a sweet plantain because it's the same plantain. Now, what turns a tostón into a maduro is time. time. It's process, but it's the same plantain. And some of us, God wants to take us to the sweet stage of our lives but we're so desperate and we always like to go ahead of God because the way God grows us is through process. Some of us, we feel that God takes too long. But I've never seen an oak tree grow overnight. I've seen a little flower grow in two, three weeks. But a pine tree, 60 feet tall, oh, that takes a long time. 
And some of us want to be pine trees, but we want to have a rapid, quick, expeditious process. And so when we talk about growing, when we talk about growth, when we talk about growing, we cannot exclude the factor process in our lives. Because everything that grows well takes time. So I want to challenge us this month that God is calling us to grow in God, to grow in relationship, to grow in ownership, and to grow in worship. And there's a portion of scripture I want to, I want to read, which is found in 2 Peter. 2 Peter was written by the apostle Peter. And he writes to a church. I got to give you the backdrop so you can understand this. He writes to a church which is located in Minor Asia. What Minor Asia today is Turkey. He writes to the church in Minor Asia about 20, 30 years after Christ died on the cross. The church in Minor Asia, when he writes his first letter, because if it's Second Peter, that means he wrote First Peter. In First Peter, he writes a letter to a church who had started believing in Jesus Christ. Now, in Minor Asia, at the time of Paul, Peter's writing, the religion that dominated that time was not Christianity. It was paganism and other gods and, 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 and you know, so many gods. I'm not going to get into Judaism. But. And so when the gospel made it to Turkey, Minor Asia, and believers started believing in this Jesus thing, Salvation, the Holy Spirit, the baptism of the Holy Spirit, pressure came about in that city. And the city started attacking the church. And the church was at a point that they were believing God, but the pressure was so strong that they started to have fear in their faith. And because of that, Peter writes, 1 Peter, and he tells the church to don't be discouraged because just like Gold, in order to be valuable, needs to go through the fire. So must you go through the fire in order to be purified. And then 2 Peter, he now writes the second letter. Because by this second letter, they overcame the process of persecution. They overcame the persecution. And this is what he tells them. In 2 Peter chapter number 3, verse 18. Look at, listen to what he says and look at the screen. The screen. Peter tells the church in Minor Asia, grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Because processes are designed for us to grow. What is Peter saying? Everything you went through in the first letter of Peter, all of that attack, all of that chastisement, all of that persecution, by now should prove you to grow. So he tells them, you need to grow in the grace of Jesus Christ. And you need to grow in the knowledge of Christ. We need to grow, this is, this is what I'm saying. We need to grow in grace and in knowledge. Why do I need to grow in grace 
and in knowledge. Because a person who doesn't grow in knowledge will always take advantage of grace. A person who doesn't know about Christ. How many people do we know? They, they are abusing grace. And Paul says, shall we abide in sin since grace ab abides? No, by no means. What, what is G Peter, or the Holy Spirit, telling the church through Peter? You need to grow in this grace thing. We cannot continue living a life of sin and come to the grace every Sunday and get sprinkled with the blood of Jesus, metaphorically speaking, to do it all over again next week. You need to grow in grace. What does that mean? That from the moment I embrace grace, I don't need grace no more for salvation. I need to grow in other graces God has for me. Because let me tell you, the only grace some of us are only exposed to is the grace for salvation. But there's a grace for gifts, there's a grace for power, there's a grace for anointing, there's a grace for ministry, and the only grace some of us know is grace for, for forgiveness of sins. And Peter is saying, we need to grow in the grace, but we also need to grow in the knowledge of Christ. So this has to do with spiritual maturity. Spiritual maturity. And so God is calling us to grow. This year, springtime begins on March 19th, a couple of weeks from today. Now, springtime refers to a specific season of the year and also to ideas of rebirth and renewal. It also has to do with resurrection. There are some plants and some trees that in the winter, if you live up, uh, up north, or, or, you know, in the cold areas, they begin to wither away throughout the winter. But then when spring became, begins to come, then the things that seemed dead, because they weren't dead, seemed dead, they begin to resurrect. They begin to renew. They begin to regrow. And there are some biological indicators that lets us know that springtime is around the block. Let me give you some of the indicators. Such as the blossoming of range of different Plant species lets us know that the spring is coming. You can even smell the spring in the soil if you're, a, if you're a planter. Today I want to introduce our new series entitled Grow. And for the next five weeks, we want to focus on these areas of spiritual maturity where we must grow as individuals. Because God is calling us to grow. God is calling us to grow. So my first point today is we are a seed. You're a seed. I'm a seed. And if I'm a seed, then by nature, I'm destined to grow. If I'm a seed, then my manifestation ought to be growth. I, the only way I don't grow in becoming a tree is if I don't allow myself to be planted. 
but I have the potential to be a tree. Every seed has the potential to be a tree. Every seed. Now, it's a matter of whether or not the seed decides to yield itself to be planted. And so we are today to leave this place understanding God has made us in seed form because God desires to grow in us as we get into a deeper, stronger relationship with the Lord. And so we must endeavor, listen to me, we must endeavor to know God more. To know God more. So we're going to grow in our, we're going to grow in God. We're also going to grow in our relationships. Developing stronger bonds with each other. How are we going to do that? We're going to do that through hope groups. If you're a part of this church, if this is your church, and you are not in a hope group, we pray that this month, at the end of the series, you're growing in relationships in a hope group. This is phenomenal. This is phenomenal. Phenomenal. But when I look at the Bible, the Bible, when Jesus picked the 12, then shortly after that, he picked the 70. And when he picked the 70, the Bible says that Jesus picked the 70, but then those 70, he sent them out in twos. In twos, small groups. And they went out and they started doing exploits and miracles and wonders to the glory of God. There, there's something that happens when we come together and we work together and we do church in relationships. And I want to encourage you that the heart of this church is being bigger by becoming smaller. we only going to get bigger when we get smaller. The more, the more, the more that little boy that had the five bread and the two fish, the more he broke the bread into smaller pieces, the bigger it became. The more he broke the pieces and the, the fish and more pieces are smaller and smaller, the smaller, the bigger. And I want to encourage you, church, that the bigger things that God has for you will come as a result of you coming together, doing life together in a hope group. I want to encourage you that your greatest days of ministry and leadership will flourish in a hope group. So if you're not part of a hope group, you need to sign up today in Jesus' name. We're going to grow our relationships. But we're also going to grow in ownership. Ownership has this type of mindset. I love my church. And because I love my church, I'm going to serve my church with passion. I'm going to, I'm going to serve my church wholeheartedly. Let me tell you something. What, let me ask you something. What would happen? And this, this is my dream. Let me tell you what my dream is for this church. My dream is that everyone sitting in this chair becomes a leader in this church. Everyone becomes a leader. You know what happens when you decide to become a leader? You make room for God to bring more people into the church. But listen to me. God is not going to bring us a harvest of people if the leadership is not ready to retain the harvest. So the growth of this church is incumbent on you taking your position of leading, joining, being a part of it. So my prayer is, Lord, may everyone in this church take their sleeves and roll them up and say, Pastor, I'm willing to serve. Because the, the moment you give up your seat and go out to serve, God, I, listen, I don't understand the mathematics. I don't understand it. But it happens. It happens every time a church grows in leadership. It will grow in attendance. It will grow in numbers. More people come to Jesus. More people will get saved. I promise. 
promise you, roll up your sleeves and let's work together in ownership and fall in love with our church and fall in love and serving in the church. I promise you, revival will come. I promise you. But we have to take ownership. The other thing I want to tell you, church, we cannot depend only on Sunday services. I cannot solely depend on Sunday services to thrive in my walk with the Lord. I must take responsibility in my spiritual walk. We're also going to grow in worship. Let me just say this, church. For us, worship is not a one-hour experience every eight days of the week. Uh Uh-uh. Worship is a lifestyle. Worship is who I am. Worship is not what I do. Because worship is an outward expression of an inward impression. That's what worship is. So as we grow in spiritual maturity, our desire is going to be, one, to be more like Christ. He's the standard. He's the image. Two, to develop authentic relationships. Number three, to create a more community-minded and service-oriented environment where everyone can feel loved and welcomed. So that's why we need to understand that we are seed. Second thing I want to talk about is the importance of growing. The importance of growing. John 12, 24, Jesus says this. Very truly, I tell you, That unless a kernel of wheat or a seed of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains only a single seed. But if it dies, it produces many seeds. It's imperative, church, that in order for us to grow in our personal walk with Christ, we must learn how to die ourselves your greatest enemy is not the devil your greatest enemy is you I am my greatest enemy the devil God dealt with him he's defeated I am my worst enemy and I have to die to me that's what the apostle Paul said in first Corinthians I no longer live but Christ lives in me and the life that I now live I live it to the glory of the father and God is challenging us today that if we are seeds then we need to die the problem with us is we don't want to die because we like ourselves too much God is calling us to die. He's calling us to die to bitterness. Bitterness. You know how many people are bitter? Bitter. I'm talking about just. Everywhere you go, just a spirit of bitterness. Well, pastor, that's just the way I am. God loves me. Who told you God loves you just the way you are? God don't love you just the way you are. That's why he's giving us sanctification. So that you no longer be who you are. No, Pastor, listen, God loves me. He has accepted you. You have to accept me just the way I am. No, no, devil is a liar. God loves, listen, listen. 
I'm just angry. That's who I am. That's who I am. I'm, you know, I, I got that from my mother. Well, you're not your mother. You're, you're supposed to be like Jesus. God wants you to die to hate. God wants you to die to pride. Pride. God wants you to die to revenge. Oh, we, we have so many revengeful folks here in the church. <laughs> what if we believe it? Believe this. We need to die to selfishness. I only get involved if I get recognized. I only get involved if it benefits me. But the Bible says, unless the seed of wheat falls to the ground, now it's not enough falling, you got to die. Falls to the ground and die. If that doesn't happen, it will stay a seed. It will not reproduce, it will not multiply, it will never grow, it will stay stagnant. And this is why God is calling us to die to ourselves, to lay it down, to lay ourselves down. Because every one of those things I mentioned is sin. And yes, God loves the sinner, but God don't love sin. So that's why the verse I read to you, Second Peter, where he says, hey, he says, hey, we're we gonna, no, 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 we gotta grow from grace. We gotta grow in the grace and in the knowledge of Jesus Christ. We gotta grow. And so all of these things that we don't want to die to are is the reason why we're still in seed form. All these things that we don't want to yield to is the reason why God has not been able to use us for his glory. The same way the seed dies when planted and grows to produce many seeds, we also need to die. We need to be planted, and then we need to grow. For what purpose? For the purpose of bearing fruits. But you cannot forget your seed. You cannot forget your seed. And then you have to understand that God doesn't bury you to forget you. You're not being buried when you're being planted. You're being sown. You're not, God doesn't bury us. God plants us. And in your part process of being planted, that's why, that's why we got to grow in our mindset. Because sometimes we come to church and we see other people growing and being big trees and, and growing and, and you're still in seed form and you're still in the dirt and nothing is happening. But let me tell you something. Don't but don't don't usurp your process. Don't violate your process, man. But I've been in church ten years, and and I'm, I ain't seen no stem coming out the ground. And and ain't no, no, don't worry about that. Don't worry about that. Because in order for you to be a pine tree, you gotta have deep roots that go in the soil. And before you can even be big, you gotta be strong in the bottom. So relax. Jeremiah chapter 12, 2. My God, I've got to have you up. It says, you have planted them and they have taken root. They grow and bear fruit. The problem with many of us with this scripture is we want to just have, we want to go through the first step of that verse and the last step of that verse. Which the verse says step number one, you have planted them. That's step one. Here's step two. They've taken root. Here's step three. They grow. 
And here's step four, they bear fruit. But some of us, we don't want to go through the process of taking roots. We just want to be sown and bear fruit. It's impossible for you to bear fruit if you ain't got no root. It's impossible for you to bear fruit if you go through the process. And so what is the Lord telling you? I need you to grow in grace and in knowledge so that the more you grow in me, the bigger, better, stronger I will make you to be an influence in the world around you. God wants us to grow for what purpose, church? To live a life full of fruits. To have a solid and a spiritual formation. To live and act with spiritual maturity. Look what the writer says in Hebrews chapter 6, verse 1. He says, look what he says. Let us move beyond elementary teaching about Christ and be taken forward to maturity. What, what, what is the writer telling us? We need to grow. I remember when my daughter was born. My daughter, my daughter learned how to talk before she learned how to walk. She's a heck of a singer, right? And I remember that. I was like, okay, it's been nine months, ten months. She's talking to Storm. How about the guy that got back at that? She's talking to Storm. But she's not walking. Eleven months, twelve months, and she ain't, she ain't walking. Twelve months and a half. Something right here. So you know what I did? I started taking my daughter by her finger, by her hands, in my fingers, and I started provoking her to walk. And, and literally, she was having a conversation with me, like in Greek and Hebrew and Aramaic. Like she was like, <laughs> "I'm like, mommy, that you have to walk. You have to walk. You have to walk. You have to walk." And and, and at times, I would let her go, and she would like like stumble and stumble, and, and she'll fall, and, and I'll grab her back again, and 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 and, and, I'll, and I'll do the process all over again. Because I know that even though while I was provoking her to walk, it was fearful for her, but it was going to be beneficial. Imagine her 26, 25 years old, and she can't walk. You know how many times God looks at the church, and we're goo-goo-ga-gaing in the spirit? How many times we come to church and and, 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 and God sees spiritual pacifiers and bibs. W wouldn't it be ironic that a 20-year-old come to church? Imagine if our ushers would have to burp a 25-year-old person in the church. That would look ridiculous. Imagine our children's ministry has to change the diapers of a 30-year-old person who never learned how to go to the bathroom on there. You know how ridiculous that would look? In the spirit world, Sometimes God looks at us and he says, oh, my God, they still drinking in bottle. They still can't walk. They still don't know enough about me to understand that there's a tree inside of them. That's why the writer says, let us move beyond elementary teaching. There's more that God has for us. There's more that God wants from us. And so he's taking us on a journey of dying to ourselves so that we can grow. So that we can be Christ-like. So we're talking about spiritual maturity. 
Now, what's the background of this? In order to grow, first, the third thing we have to do is we have to break ground. In order for you to grow, you got to break ground. One key aspect that will help a seed to grow is the breaking of the ground where it will be planted. The importance that will help that seed to develop and grow to be a healthy and a fructiferous tree. Listen to what I'm telling you, church. Not everyone who grows is healthy. But everyone who is healthy grows. Not everyone who grows is healthy. I know a lot of people, that they're tall, six feet tall, five feet tall, and they're not healthy at all. But if you are healthy, growth is inevitable. Here at New Birth, we want to create a healthy environment. And we want to foster a healthy culture where you can grow, where you can mature in the Lord, and you can activate your gifts towards the advancement of the kingdom. But let me submit to you that that won't happen overnight. It'll take work. It'll require you to mold your character into the image of Christ. It will require commitment from your part. And this is why this series is being preached throughout this entire month. For what? To encourage everyone to go through the process of metamorphosis. The process of transformation. But it's going to break. It's going to break ground. It's going to die it's going to cause you to die to your seed. It's going to cause you to die to yourself. But breaking ground always leads to a breakthrough in your freedom. Will lead to breakthrough in your sanctification. It will lead to breakthrough in revival. And it will lead to breakthrough in glory. Listen to me, church. Listen to me. The Lord wants us to grow. He wants us to be holy. Nowadays, the word holy is a bad word in the church. Because we're so stuck on grace. That holiness, we don't, have, we don't need that. As long as I got grace, the blood of Jesus, I'm good. Just come back on Sunday and forgive. And Lord, forgive my sins. And No, 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 no. No, God don't call you to be living in the cross. The cross is not your dwelling place. The cross is a transition. I once was blind, but now I see. I once was dead, but now I'm alive. And some of us, we spend all of our Christian lives under the cross being sprinkled by the blood. Lord, forgive me again. Here I am again. Here I am again. No, no. God didn't die on the cross for you to stay living on the cross. Jesus himself got off the cross and went back to his house. You got to get off the cross. We got to live holy. Gotta live holy. And holiness is not a popular word. Churches are churches that preach on holiness don't get packed. Now, churches that preach on God will forgive you just as you are. Keep on, keep on doing what you're doing. There's always blood. Yes, there's always blood. But what did Paul say? Shall we continue to live in sin because grace abounds? By no means. Listen to me, church. One of the signs that you're growing spiritually is sanctification. One of the ways that you know that you're growing in your walk with God is in your sanctification. Matter of fact, Jesus said, God said, be holy, for I am holy. I was in the Old Testament. 
And then in the New Testament, he said, without holiness, no one will see the Lord. Holiness is not an option. Holiness is a command. Be holy as I am holy. Now, 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 the only way you can be holy is if you die to yourself. Because holiness is the end result of you dying to you. Pastor, I can't, I can't, you know, I can't. I need, I need the blood. Okay, okay. But you got to grow. Listen, I don't, I don't, the reason why I don't do the things I used to do, it's not because I can't do it. It's because I choose not to do it. Before, before I was saved, oh my God. <laughs> I used to do that. Before I was saved, I was always in fight. What's up? I'm from the Bronx, you know? Be before I was saved, I was a mess. But something happened. That's the cross. Something happened when I came before the cross and I got under the cross and his blood changed me and transformed me. When I found out the power of this thing right here, I didn't make a house and live here. Some of us, we live from this side of the cross back. So we send Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Sunday. We get sprinkled with the blood and go back Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. No, no, no. But we got to go past the cross and say goodbye sin, goodbye fornication, goodbye drugs, goodbye sin, goodbye hatred, goodbye bitterness. And I'm going to live a holy life because I died to myself and I live for Jesus. God is calling us to a holy life. Holiness is how you know that you're growing. It's not coming to church. It's not coming to church. Holiness is how you know your seed has fallen to the ground, is dying, and is producing fruit. Sanctification. Now, sanctification doesn't happen overnight. You have what the Bible calls instant and progressive sanctification. What is instant sanctification? Friend, you that are going to accept Jesus, when you accept Jesus today and you repeat the sinner's prayer, you're going to be instantly sanctified. What does that mean? That upon you accepting Christ, if Jesus was to pick up his church today, you're going to go to heaven. And you don't have to take membership classes and go through 20 steps to go to heaven. If you accept Jesus and Jesus comes right now, that's what happened at the cross. Remember at the cross, there was two thieves next to Jesus. And Jesus tells one, one thief, the thief tells Jesus, hey, remember me when you get to your kingdom. And what did Jesus say? Verily I say unto you that today you will be in me in paradise. He didn't tell him, look, all right, go to Next Steps for two weeks. Uh, meet Pastor Gabby and the team. Join a hope group. Help an environmental. No, no, no. He said, Papa, today you're going to meet with me in heaven. Why he said that? Because Jesus knew that that same day he was going to die. So you have that instant sanctification. 
But then you have the progressive sanctification because now that I'm saved, oh, I'm saved in a sinful body. I'm saved in a sinful body. I'm still a sinner. You're still a sinner. The Bible says in Romans 3.23, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. So now in my salvific experience, I still have to deal with the flesh. So progressive sanctification is that as I continue to progress in my walk with God, I'm going to fight me from becoming who I used to be before I came to Christ. And that process is sanctification. I know people that they stopped doing the things they used to do instantly. I know people that have done that. I know people that were liars, thieves, adulterers. And all it took was one walk to the altar, give their life to Jesus, and instantly, I know people that have been in church two years, three years, and they're still struggling in their weakness. Now, are they any better than us? No. The problem is not that you're struggling in your weakness. The problem is how are you going about your struggle in your weakness? And so when I am weak, this is why, let me tell you, this is why being part of a whole group is so important. Because in your weakness, when you join with somebody else, they can help you and keep you accountable. If you're not in a whole group, you're doing this on your own. And you can't do life by yourself. So the challenge of the Lord for us today is to grow. Spiritual maturity. Spiritual maturity. Spiritual maturity. Luke chapter 8, and I'll close with this. Luke chapter 8, verse 8. Jesus recapping on a parable, he says this. Still other seed fell on good soil. It came up and yielded a crop a hundred times more than was sown. My question today is, what type of seed are you? Are you the type of seed that refuses to be sown? Or are you the type of seed that is willing to surrender yourself, put yourself in the hand of Jesus, who is the perfect gardener? Yield yourself to him to embrace a crop in the future.